Nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. Now. Welcome back to Anastasia on City Wave Cinema. That was James. I'm America. We don't know how to do intros. No, that's not true. We do know how to do intros. We just choose not to. Because this is more fun. This is a choice you're making? Yes. Oh. I, dude, I've been doing the same thing for like a year and a half. What do you mean? For over a hundred episodes. You didn't track that I say fuck intros every fucking episode? I try so hard to be like a good podcaster and do a fucking intro. And Everyone just... intros their shows all the same. It's more fun if you just come in guns a-blazing. It's crazy. It's wild. It's entertainment. Ah. Anyways. Anyways, welcome to the nightmare sequence of the movie in which Puka is a classic plot device pet uh, and demons are, in fact, canonically butterflies. Uh, so... <laughs> I know on... what you're talking about, but that sentence out of context is so bizarre. Isn't it, though? So we're on the ship, the ship in which they are sailing around Denmark, I think. They're sailing from Poland up and around. Well, no, they're sailing France. from Germany because they walked through. Oh Poland yeah, they walked through Germany. Poland. Let me yeah, yeah. see a map. Look at a map. Anyways, they're on the ship, uh, and no one works on the ship, by the way. And they, oh my god, my eye. Um, they all bed down for the night. Vlad's a little seasick, and uh, uh, Dimitri is sort of passed the fuck out on the ground next to some bags. Uh, and everyone goes to sleep, and Anastasia starts dreaming, and Why then the demons appear. My best guess is they're leaving from, like, Belgium? Well, hang on. No, uh, okay, hold on, look. Because it looks like they leave from here. Oh, so and go up from... around Denmark and come down into okay. Paris because the storm happens when they're in the North Sea because they show it and it's like, oh, there's the UK. Okay. Sorry, we had to look at a map real quick to figure out what the fuck is going Geography's on. Geography's not our strong suit. It is my strong suit. It just looks like they got rid of most of Denmark. Be better then. No, I, I literally said exactly what happened. Nah. <laughs> All right, Donald Trump. Now, <laughs> the the nightmare sequence occurs because these pesky little demon creatures uh, have the ability to just appear anywhere at will. Um, so they show up on the ship after having previously not been on the ship when we learned how to waltz I mean, earlier they are in the movie. Of the spiritual realm, so and they are specifically tar like designed to target the Romanov family, so. Like, heat-seeking missiles, but demons. Sorry, I passed away in the middle of that. Um, so, th they show up, and they just sort of, like, swirl around Anastasia as she's asleep. Uh, and then she sort of vividly dreams herself into this world where she's just frolicking. That's literally all she does is frolic. She follows the butterflies um, and a boy. And the, the the swirly demons take the form of butterflies and she follows this little kid and they're just going around all these places. Uh, and we intercut back and forth between the ship to this imaginary world. Uh, and on the ship, Anastasia has gotten out of bed and is sleepwalking, kind of like a zombie, a la arms out in front of her. 
Uh, to really, really sell to, you yeah. on the fact that she is sleepwalking. Yeah, like, we couldn't guess that. Um, anyways, she's wandering about the ship, and the ship is, uh, surprise, surprise, in the middle of a giant storm. The door shuts to her room, and Puka is still inside the room, freaking out. Uh, so Puka has to wake up Dimitri. Dimitri sees that Anastasia's not in the bed, so he scurries up into the top side of the ship where no one is in the middle of this giant storm, except Anastasia, who is, like, standing on the rail of the ship, just, like... Very Titanic. Very precariously floating about. I'm doing an image for the stream that no one on the podcast can see. Um, It's not that good of an interpretation. You're not missing that much. My eyes were closed. I couldn't see what I was doing. So, (laughs) he rescues her. Saves her from her peril uh, and wakes her up and she freaks out. uh, But the demons were too impatient. And right as he is about to save her, they stop becoming this friendly little scene and start turning into demons dragging her to hell. Um, Which if you take but a moment to stop and think about. Why? Would she go to hell unless the Romanovs were bad? It's the Romanov curse. Right, but we don't know anything. So, she is saved. I mean, she says it's the Romanov curse. Well, yeah, but she doesn't know about the Romanov curse. She just believes that she is cursed. That is true. She has The Romanovs never find out that they've been cursed. Yeah. And she only finds out because Rasputin's image in the... Dream says it a good 15 times. (laughs) My note for that sequence is that sleepwalking is bad for the health of princesses who grow a foot of hair out of nowhere. Yeah, she also gets a lot of hair. She has this, like, little tiny, like... There's not a lot of consistency to the way she looks. Ponytail, and then she gets... She changes a dress, and it gives her magic hair. Uh, and now, with this new failure at, uh, killing... Anastasia. Rasputin decides that he will take it upon himself to kill her. Instead of sending the demons. In which I am totally flabbergasted as to how this guy knows he can get out of limbo and go back to the real world and yet let these little demon guys try twice and fail twice instead of just going and doing it himself. If he was really that full of rage, as he intimates that he is. Mm Mm-hmm. He should have gone and done it the first fucking time. Well, maybe he was, like, without trying to put more risk to himself, like, because his body is falling apart, and if you hit him good one time, he's just gonna disintegrate. So maybe he was trying to, like, save himself the trouble, almost, Maybe risk. But there's, he's already dead, and he sold his soul, and he was, the best he could do was be in limbo for eternity. So I don't, I still don't understand what his end game was in cursing the Romanovs and killing them. I, there is no plan. He has no arc. He's not a good villain. There's no end game. Take, go back to Frozen. The end game for Hans is to overtake the kingdom. Yes. And he says it, yes. and it's clear. 
Uh-huh. And it's sinister. And it's scary. Yes. Rasputin has no plan besides kill him. I don't like him. Maybe there's some grand scheme, but he never says it. And it's never implied. And the only thing we know... You know, that's fair. He doesn't really have a good motive. There's no motive. Yeah, he got banished for an unexplained reason. He has a revenge arc, I guess. <coughs> yeah, he has a revenge arc, but there's no... There's no end win for him. If they all die, especially now that he's in limbo... It's not like he gets to come back to life and be free of the Romanovs and live happy. Yeah. He's just bitter and full of rage. And it's, maybe it's founded in something, but they don't say it. So is it? We don't know. And it sucks. It sucks that there's not more gravity to the situation. Because you watch it and there's no tension, ever. There's not an ounce of tension in this movie. For me, anyways. As a child, I'm sure there's plenty of tension. I mean, it's kind of terrifying when you're a child, like, on many levels. Sure, because the whole arc is death, and death is scary. But there's there's no tension in the movie because there's no context to this hatred. There's just, I got banished, and now I'm back to kill bitches. Like, okay, that seems extra, dude. Like, get it together, man. Maybe you got banished because you look freaky and you don't look like everybody else and that's scary and they're afraid of you and that's a little racist, but maybe that's how it is. Fuck, I don't know, man. Like, it's so open-ended that you can almost insert your own narrative into it and get away with it. But there's no arc for Rasputin. And that sucks. Because he could have been... He has one of the greatest villain songs in any musical. And he's a really scary looking villain. And he's a horrible looking, like did so good with the art on it. And it's just ass. His whole, his whole arc is just a fart in the wind. It's just a shame. So he escapes limbo by blasting off like Team Rocket into the fucking stratosphere of limbo to get back to Earth, your, I guess. Your jokes have been really solid this Dude, episode. Dude, I'm on one right now. Or this... Movie, I guess not this episode. Uh, and so now we have a section of the movie where they get to Paris. The the trio gets to Paris and they find uh Sophie, Sophie, who is the old flame of Vlad's, and we also have a brief snippet where the Empress sees another Anastasia imposter who looks a lot like Anastasia, uh, but she knows in her heart that it's not her. Uh, and says, "Fuck this! I don't want to fucking see any more people. I don't want. I, I don't want this anymore. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm fair, old. I'm heartbroken. I'm yeah, done. That's, and that's totally valid and fair. That's gonna be. It's maybe really... one of the most compelling things in the movie is that she's just so tired of seeing the same shit for ten years and getting hopes up and having them crumble again and again and again, and they don't spend any time on it." It's such a compelling tidbit of storytelling, and they just are like, well, here it is a little bit. Ah. Anyways, uh, Sophie has a grand house that they all just sort of hang out in, uh, and they prove to Sophie that Anastasia is Anastasia. But also, outside, 
in the way they show the passage of time in France in, what is it, 1926? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, because it's 10 years later. Well, we could even say maybe 1927 because we don't know how long they traveled. Somewhere in 1926-27, in a time where we for sure have clocks, there's a fucking sundial in the front yard and children born no later than 2000 have no fucking clue what a sundial is because why the fuck would they need to know that information? I shouldn't even need to know that information, but I know it because I learned it in history. Have you never seen a sundial in real life then? I've seen them inside where they don't provide their service. And like museums. Because like my like gardens, like my grandparents' gardens and my great-grandparents' gardens when I was a kid had, had sundials. Huh. Mine never did. Huh. Never, never, never have I seen a sundial in real life fulfilling its purpose. I've seen them in museums. I think I've seen a few in D.C., in the museums up there, but I've never seen one doing what it's supposed to do in the wild. <laughs> Fascinating. Because uh, I've seen, like, several, like, in, like outside at parks, um, like, botanical gardens, like, all over the place. Like, I've, I've wild. seen... If you see one while we're going out places, you should point it out to me, and I'll be like, wow, I'll take a picture. I'll put it on Instagram. <laughs> He'll put it on the City Wave Cinema yeah, I'll Instagram just take and be a like, like, I found one! Ah! <laughs> Sundial! <laughs> uh, this is also a scene where we once again see Puka never get to go anywhere as the door to the manor gets shut in his face. He also his, tears up the flower garden, pacing back and forth, waiting for the... Because he can see inside the window. And yeah, that's another good sign of passage of time because he like hops in there and the flowers are all like really poofy and like beautiful. And then he just tramples the shit out of them. And then he's been pacing back and forth so long. Now there's just a trough of in between all the flowers. Now we get to a bit of animation uh, that I, I, I made a comment out loud about and maybe it's a little crass, but for the most part in the movie, Everyone's been animated to be this sort of live figure. Anastasia's kind of a waif of a girl, and Dimitri's a... He's just a guy. He's just sort of a thin guy. Uh, Vlad's and Rasput- Rasputin is basically a skeleton, and Vlad is a rotund man. Vlad, for the majority of the movie, is the only character that is that looks like he belongs in an animated movie. Everyone else sort of looks like a scary monster. Um... And then we get to see Sophie get all gussied up to go out. And they didn't do this when they introduced Sophie, but they did this after she got changed to go out shopping in Paris, uh, where they animated a direct cleavage line outside her dress. And it's just... She's a big character too, animated in the same way Vlad is. She's and it's easily, all tits. She's easily got G's, if not bigger. Enormous bondahankaroos. Just anime tits. And they're huge. And they took time to ensure that they drew in extra lines that don't exist on other characters. That don't exist on other female characters. 
that don't exist anywhere else in the movie. Listen, these 90s animators knew what they wanted to pay attention to. They knew what to, they liked, and, and it, it was tits. It wasn't faces. You know, it wasn't eyes. It wasn't mouths. It wasn't noses. Because Dimitri's is uh, 10 shades of fucked up. It's tits. They wanted tits, and they worked hard to give one side character the rack of a lifetime. And it was enough that I made a comment about it out loud and I wrote a note about it in here. And then the movie takes a quick shift to be horny as fuck. Yeah, it's weird. For like one scene, everyone's hot for everyone. And then it's over. And they go shopping and the name drop Chanel. Uh, and then they go to the burlesque at Moulin Rouge for some reason. They like go to the ske- what's canonically the sketchiest district. That's where they the Moulin go, Rouge is. Moulin Rouge is in the bad part of Paris. And they go in fancy garb to the Moulin Rouge. And stay for a whole show. And the thing is like. And accidentally interrupted a little bit. The thing is like as a kid wouldn't have even like fucking been on my radar. And I'd even probably watched the fucking movie at that point by my ex. I don't know when that movie came out. Um, but as an adult going, oh, I've seen Moulin Rouge. I know where that is. Oh no. I was like, I know a lot about what the Moulin Rouge was now. Um, boy, they did a lot of chlamydia in there. (sighs) Questions. Yep. So then we're going to double down on the trope, uh, to make Dimitri every animated male protagonist ever. And he goes from not having feelings to having all of them at the same time. And so he's going to revert his whole character from, I don't want the money that I came here for. I don't want to stay in Paris. I want to get Anastasia to her grandmother, convince her that it's real. And then that's my whole deal now. I mean, but that he had that whole change because you kind of skipped over it. He had that whole change because when Anastasia's trying to convince Sophie that she's Anastasia, um, because remember, 50% of this is a con and 50% of it is uh, she could be Anastasia, and that's kind of how the whole trio operates for most of the movie. Um, She mentions to Sophie, because Sophie's like, how'd you escape? And she's like... She has a fleeting memory of this little boy who helped her through the wall. Yeah, she's like a boy... Opened a wall, and she's like, that's Dimitri, s- silly. <laughs> Dimitri, who doesn't have amnesia, remembers doing that. And so he goes, oh, son of a bitch, it's her. Because who the fuck else is going to remember that besides the Empress and her and him? They're the only three people who was there. So they're the only three people who could know this fact. And so he recognizes this, has a complete flip of character arc, and I did skip a little bit in that He then, after the burlesque, tells Vlad that she's telling the truth. He helped her escape. And it's the first time Vlad's heard it. And I wrote in all caps on my phone, yo, he never told Vlad he helped the Duchess escape. And that's crazy. Vlad's like his best friend. Like, how the fuck do you not tell somebody that? They traveled across the world together. And they had this plan for a long time. And you never told him one of the penultimate moments of your young life was helping her escape? That's crazy. And, like, could very help your con. Like, I don't... 
There's nothing you gain from hiding that information other than like- Also, how does that just slip your mind? I know you were a kid and you got hit in the face with a rifle as soon as that happened, but like, you gotta know. No, he knows because he remembers. The only reason I could think about like keeping it a secret is, again, it would be out of context stuff of like, because the Romanovs were overturned, if you started talking about it in the streets that you kind of helped people escape- that You were... might get disappeared. Yeah. That's the only thing I could like, but then I would, you would still tell Vlad because Vlad was part, Vlad was undercover as part of the, um. Cabinet, wasn't he? Cabinet, yeah. Yeah, like they were both or in the, the court. Royal... He was in the court. They were both in the palace when shit went down and neither one knew it about the other, I guess, is what we're saying. Well, Vlad told them because he talks about it. Right, Vlad. Okay, yeah, I guess that's true. It's just Dimitri. Dimitri. It's just Dimitri who doesn't share, which is, like, dumb, I guess. Uh, it's, it's fucking lame. His character sucks. Uh, then they go to the ballet, where they're going to try to meet the Empress, even though she doesn't want to meet anybody. Uh, and they watch a ballet of Cinderella, which is, like, straight obvious from the jump. Uh, and they do a nice little thing where they show that she has major league anxiety. As she destroys everything she's got her hands on for the whole first half of the ballet. As someone who has anxiety, it's something that if I do, if I'm really stressed out and I have a sheet of paper, that paper gets folded, and then you fold it again, and then eventually you folded that paper so many times that it starts tearing, and then you go, oh, this is a new activity, and then you start tearing the paper into tinier and tinier bits until you just have a shredded pile of confetti in front of you. Now, in the third act here, uh, I made a couple of notes in a row about how every shot with a face in it is just something from my nightmares and I never want to see again. I really hope you have nightmares tonight where it's It's just just like people's eyes like drift (laughs) past the edge of their face and you're just like, ah! It's it's really, 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 I, I want so badly to be able to forgive the studio for just how fucking awful it is, but they made Cinderella at Disney Decades prior, and it was fine. They made Snow White in, like, night. And that was also fine. They made Snow White, like, right around the time this movie is set, like, ten years later. But, like, right around the same time. There are so many 2D hand-drawn Disney movies that they clearly leaned on for inspiration on how to do the animation, and they just fucked everyone's face up. Front to back. Don Bloom, the director is like long-standing animator at Disney. Like when he wasn't directing, he, he did like the hands or something. Like I don't know the f- maybe he did the dogs and that's why there's such a good dog. But James said I'm not giving him credit for and this. Not at all. Motherfucker never did a face in his life and it's a fucking travesty. You look at him and they're just bad, dude. It's eyeballs that are too far apart and then they're back together again and then they're too far apart again and then the mouths that go too far and it's just I also want to apologize because I think I've said Don Bloom a good like 10 time. It's Don Bluth. Bluth. Yeah, you have said it. So I apologize because I suck. But Don Bluth. I think I said it right the first time because I was reading it and then I just kind of yada yada it in my head. Um, But yeah, Don Bluth. Uh, And now it's time for the third act betrayal. The third act betrayal. It happens in all the movies. It's true. Uh, in which 
Dimitri does his best to intro Anastasia to the Empress, but the Empress is stamp her foot. No, I'm not having it. Uh, and it is revealed to Anastasia that Dimitri has just sort of been doing this as a con. And because he never explained anything about what he's doing to anyone, uh, it's not immediately clear to her that he's had a change of heart and really is trying to reunite her with her family. Uh, and she thinks he's just doing it for the money, gets mad. They have a fight. She smacks the shit out of him in the theater and ducks out. Yes, America? Carry on. I'll come back to this. Okay. Uh, and Dimitri uh, just throws a little tantrum like a little bitch uh, and then kidnaps the Empress, which is wild and not something I expected to happen. So good on them for that. Uh, what the fuck, though? She's like way, a whole royalty. That is a whole member of royalty, and you straight up jacked her ride. Like, you, you're gonna be arrested. Maybe, it's Paris. Shit's weird. Uh, and they do a little nice Rolls Royce badge. It's really nice. Uh, and then the trouble with mirrors. James t has talked an extensive amount of time. We had to pause it. He I paused to, the movie twice. He had to talk an extensive amount of time. What's really funny is it started with him going, oh my god, the mirror is an actual mirror. Good on them. And then slowly deteriorated into madness as he picked apart every fucking reflection from that point on. Well, it's because you never you never would see in movies of that style a mirror being used as a mirror. It's always a set piece that's like frosted over or it's blue and it does, you don't get to see the reflection and it's watercolored in it. So it's just like, yeah, there's just sort of a vague background that's reflected. But they straight up animate people moving in the mirror like they're moving in the movie. And that's super cool to see in this style of movie because you can't think of something where you've seen it before. But then if you look at it closely, which you probably won't do, but I did because I had to. In the sequence where Anastasia does talk to her grandmother and they have the conversation it's in front of two mirrors and both times it's incorrect it's not a true reflection because and it, the best way to describe it is she's looking away from the mirror but she's being reflected in the mirror and so you see her face twice and in her face where she's actually standing, her hair is parted on the left side of her head. But in the reflection, it's also parted on the left side of her head. And if it was a true reflection, it would show... Her bangs. It would be her bangs her, on that Yeah, head. it would be the opposite. And so that's the first thing where I go, oh, that it's lazy. They just took her head and put it there again. Which is, you know, you don't want to do that. That... Someone who's looking for it will see it, and it's not good. But then they do it a second time. You're not looking for it. You just, shh, you're not looking for it. I'm looking for it. They do it again, but with both the grandmother and Anastasia. And they get the grandmother's head tilt correct, and it's both tilted in the correct direction, but Anastasia, once again, is sort of copy-pasted. And the hair's wrong, and it's flipped. And I was just like, you went to such lengths to animate her double, but you didn't look at it and go, oh, that's not how mirrors work. Damn it. <laughs> it, ah, it made me upset. 
<sighs> and there's still no explanation as to why she had amnesia. Now, what was your thing? You went on Wikipedia and you were reading. What's this whole thing? Uh, so Don Bluth, not yes. Bloom. Bluth. Um, one of the things that he is most known for animating, and this is gonna really put a oh god no, is a uh, fox and the hound. He worked on fox and the hound. Oh boy, he's so good at animals. He didn't animate an animal. In oh, fox son of a bitch. Hound. He animated several scenes of the character Widow Tweed. No! No, he is an animator of humans! Fuck! Shit! No! Why are these ones so bad? Uh, he had a bunch of, like, creative differences with Disney, basically, and left. Yeah, about, like, where eyes belong and how mouths should look and, like, maybe everyone should be a twig. He went to go establish his own animation studio con called Don Bluth Productions uh -huh. with Gary Goldman um, who's the co-director of this movie, by the way. Yeah. And John Pomeroy. Okay. And nine other Disney animators all wow. jumped ship. Let a coup. Um. Like Rasputin. And then he, he, they did... What else did they make? Uh, other notably good faces? Well, let me go back to his Disney work. So, um, because like I said, it was Widow Tweed was the number one, and I was like, oh, uh, that's a person. Yikes. Um. Oh, man. That... I did so much shouting about it, and I'm still right. He's He did good when he was at Disney, but now he's on his own, and it's shit. Oh, he did the Archie show, the animated Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Wow, he's like a huge animation veteran. Um, the fuck happened when he went to Fox? Well, here's the thing, though. He also does... He's clearly more comfortable doing animals because the rest of his animation credits are like robin hood yeah uh especially um he animated sequences of robin hood stealing gold from prince john mm -hmm. rescuing the rabbit infant and romancing maid marian near waterfall uh for winnie the pooh he's known as animating rabbit and uh he worked on the rescuers pete's dragon lots of non-people work yeah, so it's like very clearly he's very comfortable Dude's in Dude's got his. animals down. But he has done humans that don't look looks... so horrifying. Yes. Well, that's a shame. But again, he wasn't an animator on this movie. He was a director. Was a director. So Yeah, but that still means he gets to see it and have final say, and that's woof, buddy. Your quality control is uh bad. Yeah, I also don't know how you could go from Disney and like have that level of quality and then drop that far off, especially when you start your studio with a bunch of Disney animators. Yeah, like that's the other thing is there were other Disney animators who probably animated people and they just didn't. All right. Now, this whole third act, I had forgotten that Rasputin was also here. Uh, I've watched this movie multiple times and I legitimately forgot. Totally forgot that Rasputin <laughs> team rocketed away from uh, limbo and appeared in the real world. Uh, but at the time, another part of the movie was happening in which, uh, the, they're reunited and, uh, Dimitri gets offered the 10 million ruble prize, prize? The 10 million ruble reward for finding Anastasia. And I thought to myself, well, what the fuck is 10 million rubles? And I had to do a shitload of conversions and math. Because I could not 
for the life of me, get a single calculator to tell me how much 10 million rubles was in 1926. But having done the math and taken the time to work it out, 10 million rubles in 1926 was around $6,660. Which in the 20s was still a lot of money. Yeah, and it's... Like, what is that in today dollars? I can do... $111,000. That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But we also should take into consideration that, due to recent events, the ruble has sort of crashed. Also, I think, and I'm going to say this blanket with no proof or doing any math, I feel like that's more money than what the people in Squid Games won. Potentially. Also, just an aside that I thought of just now, I there is a, uh, a document that I looked at while I was doing this math that was a handwritten chart from 1930 that was the previous 10 years worth of conversion rates of a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not going to say this is a fact, but on that chart, the Russian currency was not listed as a ruble. It was listed as something else. So take that, take that little tidbit with a grain of salt. Maybe it was rubles in the 20s. Maybe it wasn't rubles in the 20s. I don't know. But the chart I looked at when I was Googling around listed the Russian currency as some other name. Or maybe they just had a different name for it back then. Maybe it's the same. It's it, The Russian currency is called a ruble. Yes, it is currently called a ruble. But was it back Was then? it in 1920? Um, anyway, so we're, we're in the tail end of the movie here. Uh, Dimitri rejects the money. Uh, and he just wants to go back to Russia, which is fucking crazy. Like, okay, sure, your hero arc, you reject the money, that's fine, that's dandy, whatever. You want to go back to St. Petersburg? Wasn't your whole con to get the money and live in Paris because Russia sucked? What's the deal now? You're fucking abandoning that dream to go back to where it sucks in St. Petersburg? Doing whatever the fuck you were doing back then, conning people into money. Like, this is such a weird move. Like, I, I can totally buy into, like, no, I don't want the money. I did what I, my good soul wanted to reunite her with you. That's fine. I don't want the money. Sure. But, like, dude, you're in Paris now. Just live in Paris. Your best buddy, Vlad, is set up. He's just going to be here. He's going to be here with his sweetie, Sophie. Just, like, hang out. Get a job. Do something. Anything. What the fuck, dude? All right, go. I have an interest. I have an answer to the ruble inquiry. I love it. It's Hit me. always been known as a ruble. Okay. Uh, but the only thing that has changed is in 1920, 1922, uh-huh. it was known as the Soviet ruble. <laughs> or rubble. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on how you say that. I, it says ruble, but anyways... Um, and then in the 1990s, it changed to the Imperian Russian ruble, but they've always, at least from 1922, which would have been before right our movie, there. Yep. Um, has always been a ruble. Who knows what the fuck I looked at then? Maybe $6,660 doesn't mean shit. Anyways, uh, so Dimitri's going to go back to Russia. We're having this extravagant party. Uh, that Rasputin's gonna crash to kill Anastasia, uh, and he, like, 
lures her out of the party with the dog. Because Puka basically just like runs up to Anastasia, finds her, and then fucks off. And she just follows him. And that's how she winds up in peril with Rasputin. Uh, and of course, Dimitri's going to come back to save her. Um, I I said out loud that if Rasputin successfully kills Anastasia in this movie, I will forgive the movie all its sins. But he doesn't. He sucks and he's bad and he doesn't. So the movie is not without sin. It's a sham. Uh... A brief battle ensues where no one actually really fights except Dimitri does punch the shit out of Rasputin real hard. Um, and then Anastasia breaks open the little chalice thing that houses all the little demon guys. Uh, and by doing that, it hits Rasputin with the fucking Ark of the Covenant blast and it melts all his skin and shit and then it radiates his bones and then his bones turn to dust and it all blows away in the wind and it's really kind of gruesome if you think about it. Because like, it it kind of does look a little bit like how the guys die when they look at the Ark of the Covenant in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Kind of resembles how they die where they sort of melt and then their bones just so ooh. Yeah, it's creepy. I don't know if it is necessarily fit for the uh, children's movie. Uh, and so then they're going to live happily ever after. Uh, she leaves a note for her grandmother that they'll always be together in Paris and they're going to go elope. And so they fuck off to another boat. And once again, no one in this movie can be uh, not in raggedy fucking clothes as uh, Dimitri is in the same clothes that he had that fight in. And he's just all scrapped up and shit. And I'm still not sure what the motivation for any of the events that occurred in the movie are uh, in this children's movie about death. Um, if I were to rate the movie out of 10, I would probably give it a five uh, for being a first animated feature out of a studio's animation department um, and having just a killer cast and tremendous voice acting. Uh, it's such a heinous thing to watch because you just look at it and your eyes burn. Anytime a person is on screen and trying to talk, it's just like, uh, uh, no, I don't want to look. And the story itself is extremely contrived. And while it's not based in reality, there's not motivation for anything. And especially there's not context for there to be motivation. So it's a double-edged sword that the studio cut themselves to death on. And so it can't get points for having a good story because what the fuck happened the whole time? What would you rate the movie? Five. Okay. Five That's out of ten. It's not bad. No, it's way better than a lot of the movies we watch. Um, I'm going to give credit where credit's due because even though you made it way harder than it needed to be, but um, you did get all the math correct. Yes! Go me! Even with your chart. Like, the, the end numbers might be a little bit different, but... A little, little bit odd. What I did was I pulled up a conversion calculator of rubles to U.S. dollars in 1926, and then That's I... That's what I... I think I got the same one as you did, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't do the conversion for me. And so I had to take other means. 
you, you just have to do it two different ways. So you have to look up what that was equal. So what the rubles were equal to in dollars and then turn it into 1926. It's a fine. Anyways, your math was correct. It's about $6,000. Six grand. Um, our uh, live audience voted our next movie. We got another tie for you. So you will have two movies straight, which is basically all of the month of December. Yeah. So, or if you're listening to this in the future, whenever we get these episodes out, um, what do we got? What's so we'll, it'll be flushed away. Ha ha. And then it'll be James and the Giant Peach, which I've been trying to get on this channel since I think it's conception, honestly. <laughs> yeah, you've been trying to get James and the Giant Peach for over a year. I took it off the vote for a while because it yeah, was just no gonna... one wanted it. No but, one wanted uh, that. Just I, you. I have a, I have, we have some new viewers that are live that tend to like Tim Burton, so... I got some I got some bonus bonus chances at getting James and the Giant Peach on there, which I did. So James can finally watch another Tim Burton movie. Great. Which actually I've been trying to get a Tim Burton movie back on here for I'm just gonna bitch about stripes the whole minute. time. Yeah, because yeah, the last one you got on here was the rapiest movie. Oh yeah, it was Beetlejuice. I have there are three bad. Tim Burton movies on this fucking sheet, and I got one of them in, so I'll, woo! I'll say it with my two feet planted. In the ground, Beetlejuice is fucking bad. And if you want to hear more about that, you should watch our tier list episode. Or just re-listen to the Beetlejuice episode. Or both. Good night. Why not both? Good night and goodbye.